Hello, everybody. Thank you once again for joining me, um, Anthony Harris, with my podcast, Looking Back, Moving Forward. Uh, my last podcast, I promised you I would have a special guest who is going to share her expertise, which is vast, on the issue of uh, COVID-19, the virus, and, and how it got started, what can we do about it, um, you know, just some very useful medical scientific information that I just wanted to share with the audience about what's truthful, what's not truthful, what's, because we know there's lots and lots of misinformation out there that affects uh, people all over, all over the country, whether it's in rural areas, urban areas, we, you know, we, we've got to get more people vaccinated. What I want to do is, is have an expert come on and talk to us about, uh, you know, what can we do? the vaccines, uh, uh, eliminate any concerns or, or alleviate or reduce people's concerns about the efficacy of the, the vaccine, whether or not it's going to really do what it is purported to do. So my guest today is Dr. Amber Cheatham. Dr. Amber Cheatham, I have to, in the interest of full disclosure, is as we say in Mississippi, she's kin folks. Okay, Amber is my, <laughs> Amber is my cousin. Uh, her mom, Debbie Ann, and, and I are first cousins. Um, her dad and my dad were, were brothers. And Amber is, is, um, has had a remarkable career. She is, and I'm going to share that with you in just a moment so that, so that I can establish her credentials and, and make sure everybody understands what, uh, what journey she's been on professionally to get to where she is now. Uh, I remember... Amber, when she was just a little bitty girl. I remember seeing her at the zoo one time with her, her grandma and grandpa. She was riding on the swings and just having a good time out there. And then I look at her now, she's a full-grown scientist. now. <laughs> so I am just so excited <laughs> to, to have my, my cousin uh, on the program tonight to share her expertise. Just a little bit of her background. She did her undergraduate work at Oakwood in Alabama and graduated there with a, a bachelor's degree. And she did something you don't see very many people do. Uh, she went straight from a bachelor's degree to a PhD. Yes, she did. <laughs> okay, she, I mean, that just shows you how smart she is. You know, lots of people go, they get a baccalaureate degree, a bachelor's degree, they get a master's degree and then get that PhD. She said, I don't, I don't have time for a master's degree. So she went, she went to Meharry Medical College, a medical school in, it's in Nashville, right? Meharry's yep, in Nashville, Nashville and Tennessee. She, she got her, um, her PhD in biomedical science. And I asked, what do they, how should I uh, describe her? And she said, the best way to describe what she does is she is a trained cellular molecular biologist. Did I get that right? Yes. <laughs> and, and, and she has done a lot of scientific work and basically, she is a scientist, folks. She is. She's not a medical doctor, but she is a scientist. She's out there um, working, understanding, and and just passing along good information. So I want to say welcome, Amber. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, cousin Ann. All right, all right. Um, here's what I I like to just get started with. You know, we hear COVID nineteen, we hear coronavirus, and Coronavirus is, is not something that's new, right? Has the coronavirus been around 
but maybe had a different name. Talk a little bit about the, the origin of, of what we call the coronavirus. All right, so coronaviruses have been around for a very long time and coronavirus is actually the family name of these types of viruses. So they often cause the cold um, flu-like symptoms. So it's been around for a very long time. And I think you were saying before there was something, was it SARS? Was that a form? Oh, SARS. Yeah. Yeah, so SARS is another coronavirus. So that happened, um, I think it was an epidemic in China in 2002, 2003. And um, so actually the COVID-19 that's out now is called SARS-CoV-2. So it's kind of like the second 2000. Yeah, we're having a little um, connectivity oh, issues here, but it's probably because of the weather. We're expecting some bad weather in this area, so something may be going on with that. But when we hear COVID-19, can you shed a little light on that? Does that 19 signify anything? Oh, the 19 is just the year it was discovered or named. So in 2019, this happened. Uh -huh. Um, they said some cases as early as October 2019, but definitely um, it was a big problem in Wuhan, China back in December 2019. So that's how where the 19 comes from, just a year. And I used to hear it, uh, people describe it as a, as a novel coronavirus. I used to hear that term. Was that something significant? Um, I think because it's just a different, this variant or strain of coronavirus is new because, I mean, we've never seen something like this that you know is a pandemic i mean i've never lived through a pandemic before so i think that's what people mean by calling it novel how did it get from being just a an epidemic to a pandemic what what do you think contributed to that and what caused it to be just a uh, a worldwide issue um i often think Sometime, well, because I know when it, we first knew about it, hearing reports of it back in December 2019, me, like other people, I'm just thinking it's just a really bad, almost like a bad flu. So I think people weren't anticipating it to be this bad. And it got around the world because, you know, borders stayed open in other countries. And, you know, you have your patient zero, whoever that is, it goes that person travels and then the people around that person that travel, they travel. So that's how it's gotten around the world. I don't think people anticipated it to be this bad. And then people from other countries, as you said, I, if I recall that New York was one of the first entry points for the virus and people were flying into New York from, from other parts of the world, Europe and so forth. Mm. And right. how it entered uh, this country. Well, yeah. whatever we call it, it is, it is something that, as you say, you've never lived through it. I've never been through something like this before. Most of us have not been through something like this. I guess it was the, uh, the Spanish flu in 1918, probably the worst thing that, that's happened. Uh, and that wasn't even, that didn't happen in Spain. It was just, a, they had mischaracterized it. It didn't have anything to do with Spain. But at any rate, um, as we know, they, the CDC has given us some guidance in, in terms of the best way to mitigate the, the transmission of the virus. And 
I want you to talk a little bit about what they have suggested that you know works. And some people are obviously in, uh, they're in dispute with that, like masks, vaccination, and uh, physical distancing and so forth. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that. Right. As you mentioned, socially distancing has definitely proved to work. Um, to prevent the spread of the virus and also wearing a mask. Um, I know sometimes people are a little confused about what type of mask. I know I've been trying to keep up with the CDC because they keep changing their recommendations as they're learning new things. Cause I mean, this is new and that's why um, different protocols and things have been changing, but definitely wearing a mask. And now we have these vaccines that are readily available. And um, I would recommend everybody to get vaccinated that's able to. Um, most people can, unless you have some type of health condition. Of course, talk to your primary care provider. But um, people definitely need to get vaccinated, especially in the southern states where it's really being hit. Um, I see that a lot of ICUs are full, and that's affecting people who need to go to the hospital that aren't necessarily infected with COVID, like if you're in a car accident or are having a heart attack, you know, these hospitals may not be able to treat you because their beds are filled dealing with uh, COVID-related illnesses. And, and of course, we hear people say, I've heard commentators say, this is a, a, a virus, that, particularly the Delta variant, is, is a uh, virus of the unvaccinated. That yeah. such a huge percentage of people who are getting sick and going to the hospital, as you said, depriving others the opportunity to, to receive health care, emergency health care, even. Um, so the unvaccinated, why, why, wh what's your theory as to why people don't want to, some people don't want to take the shot? Well, I know, especially I can speak for probably in the Black community. You know, there's been a lot of distrust um, in the Black community as far as medicine and healthcare is concerned. Um, example, like the Tuskegee experiments, you know, that was targeted towards and against people of African descent, African Americans. And it's just been a distrust in the community. And I've talked to a lot of my family members, uh, family friends, you know, they look to me because I am a scientist and I have my credentials and experience and knowledge with this. So I've been trying to promote everybody I know to get vaccinated. And I know the vaccine is new, um, but it's been on the market almost a year for emergency use. I know the Pfizer just got FDA approved within the last month. So that is some progress, but, um, I think it's just a lot of distrust. People don't trust it because it is new. Even though the vaccine has been um, being researched for the past 20 years since the SARS virus came out and it has been a hands on deck um, with all the whole entire world, a lot of doctors and scientists in other countries has been hands on deck trying to do research and to come out with this vaccine. So it didn't come just out of nowhere, this vaccine. People have been working on it for years. Yeah, that was a basic, I guess they call it an architecture, a, a format <clears throat> and a way of, as you say, all hands on deck and all people all over. This wasn't just something that was going on in Atlanta or CDC. This is going on all over the world, World, world Health Organizations and, and all these other scientists and medical experts were putting this thing together. And that's why when people say, 
I don't want to I don't want to take a drug that's in the experimental stages. It really isn't in the experimental stages is what you're saying that because they have been researching this, they have been working to get things up to this point for a long, long time. It wasn't like, okay, we, we now get these reports that we have a virus, so what are we going to do about it? What are we going to, where's the vaccine? They've already been working on that. And I think that's an important um, lesson for us to keep in mind that it's, it, it, it wasn't done, it wasn't, even though it was Operation Warp Speed, there was lots of, <clears throat> and, and you can answer this better than I can, just a lot of smart people out there working on this thing and using information from previous um, viruses to, to make sure people would be safe when they took this vaccine. Right. Yeah, and so far there hasn't been any long-term effects due to the vaccine, but of course there are long-term effects with being infected with COVID-19. Right. Yeah, that's the thing that really gets me with some people. They say, you know, I. I don't want to take this, this shot because I don't know what, what the side effects are. Well, as you said, if you get the virus, we do know what the side effects. And, and unfortunately, mm -hmm. over 600,000 of our fellow citizens have lost their lives because this is a, yeah. a deadly virus. There's nothing to play with. Yeah, and some people can't, they still can't um, taste or smell. It's been mm -hmm. over a year. So they're You'll alive, but... I just can't imagine eating something and I can't really enjoy it because I can't taste it. <laughs> right, just, right. No, that's not fun. <laughs> and, and then these, uh, I think you touched on something really, really important. That is that uh, people who, who have some legitimate, I won't say legitimate, that's not the right word, but have emergency need to go into the hospital, maybe a car accident or a heart attack or something. And because people have been, um, reluctant or hesitant about getting this vaccine. And they are filling up the ERs, the emergency rooms with, with COVID patients. And, and, and I think you were, you were saying that some of these nursing staff, hospital staff have to be taken up away from these other um, emergencies to go and take care of people who, who are there primarily because they refuse to get the vaccine. It just, it, it bothers me. And I think it bothers a lot of other people that we, we still have yeah. people who are just for whatever reason <clears throat> are saying, I'm not going to get the shot. That's crazy. Right. Uh, talk about yeah. this, uh, this booster shot. <clears throat> How does that work? Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm still trying to read up on how it works because they haven't made a decision about it. Um, I think there's supposed to be some town hall meetings towards the end of this month. I think the Biden administration is um, trying to get it to come out September 20th. Um, I've read reports saying that you should get it eight months after your second dose. I've heard maybe six months after. Yeah. Um, it's still up in the air. Um, I hope they resolve it. I think it will be resolved. They'll make a decision about it this month. But um, I know the booster shot just where, like what it says, it'll boost your immunity because um, the vaccine was originally geared towards, I think it was the original strain was gamma variant, I believe. Um, and so it's not as effective against the Delta variant because um, there are some, actually several people who have been vaccinated, they have been testing positive with the Delta variant. Again, their symptoms aren't as severe 
are as bad um, compared to unvaccinated individuals. And then um, there's a very rare occurrence called a, a breakthrough infection, which is about one in 900 individuals where they have severe symptoms of COVID-19. They're infected with COVID-19 and their symptoms are really severe even though they were vaccinated. And very few people have ended up dying. Um, I've been trying to read up on the reports and a lot of those individuals happen to be elderly, but they haven't made a definite, the CDC hasn't made a definite conclusion with the full demographics on that. But again, um, it's a very rare chance of that happening. And the chance of you having to be hospitalized versus being vaccinated. Now, what about women who are pregnant? I, I, can you, some people have been reluctant to get vaccinated because they say they're pregnant or want to get pregnant, <clears throat> but what's the latest on that? So um, during the, the clinical trials, um, they found out, or the CDC or and other researchers have found out that the vaccine doesn't play any type of role on fertility for males and also females. And um, it is advised for um, pregnant mothers to get the vaccine. Um, again, talk to your OBGYN as to when you would like to get it. Um, my cousin, who's currently pregnant, she waited till she was about 20 weeks to get the vaccine. And that was just her choice. She was talking to her OBGYN, but at 20 weeks, she's halfway along. So everything, all the limbs and the brain, everything is developed at that time. So she felt comfortable doing that. And you're actually be doing a service to your baby because you can pass immunity down to the baby, to the fetus, and also when you breastfeed too. And I have read reports that um, since younger kids, they're not able to get vaccinated. But if you're a nursing mother, to give your breast milk to the older kids so they can get some type of immunity since they're too young to get the vaccine. Now, is there, for lack of a better term, is there a shelf life for the antibodies? At some point, do the antibodies begin to wane and become less effective? And that's why we, one of the reasons they're using the booster? Doing a booster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure exactly when it is, but that's almost with any vaccine. You know, like with the the tetanus shot, you're supposed to get one every 10 years. Um, I know when I had to go to grad school, I actually had to get uh, titers done. So that's they measure the antibodies in your blood against all the different vaccines. And I had to get, I was like a pincushion that day. But um, <laughs> your, ti- your titers have to be a certain level to show that you have full immunity. So I had to get some booster shots. Um, I've actually never had the chicken pox before. And I've been vaccinated and I think I've had at least one, maybe two boosters because I'm 31 years old. And if I were to get the chicken pox, it's life-threatening as an adult. So yeah, I think to answer your question, I don't know exactly what the half-life is, but that's just with any vaccine, you would need a booster. And again, some people are reluctant because they think, well, my insurance may not pay for it, but the vaccine is free. It's free. Nobody has to pay it. And, mm-hmm. and I've seen uh, pharmacies and, and others who are just, just telling people, almost begging people, come in and get the shot. And, and there's some colleges and universities. I was listening to someone today who said at her particular university, they are, they've incentivized the, the uh, 
the taking of the, the vaccine by, if you show your vaccine, your, your vaccine card, your, your COVID-19 vaccine card, you can, mm-hmm. you're part of this, uh, this drawing and you can get uh, a year's tuition. You can get all of your books oh. taken care of. So that's that, nice. Because I think college students, when you're talking about how I can save some money or earn some money, I think that really, really does resonate for them and say, okay, we got to get it done. Yeah. Um, some states, like I live in the state of Maryland, there's a lottery if you are vaccinated. Like I had somebody, I guess, from the state of Maryland call me and they said, if I got vaccinated in the state, which I did, I'm entered into this lottery. I think I, I can't remember how much it was because, I mean, I doubt I'll win. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was a I think it was a couple hundred thousand dollars or something Whoa. like that. But wow. I mean, I, I haven't heard back. Or they Somebody's have got- like a drawing. I think that's the that's the grand prize, and I think they have a drawing every so often, and maybe it's a thousand here or a thousand there, something like that. <laughs> because somebody has to win, it might as well be you, right? I hope. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, here's a term that I want you to help me to understand: is we hear the term herd immunity. Tell us what that is, and, and how do we know we reached herd immunity? Um, so the term herd immunity is when, yeah, that's what a lot of people are saying that everybody, they just say that everybody will end up getting it. And basically who lives, who survives, survives that type of thing. So, but this virus, you can't just get herd immunity because there's several people who've been infected more than once, you know? Yeah. So if you, just because you, you've been infected one time and you can't say, okay, we, this contributes to herd immunity, I won't get it again because we know that's not true. People are getting it multiple times. Yeah, people are getting reinfected. Yep. So yeah, yeah. herd immunity won't work with this. It'll just keep going around. And really the only way to end this is to get vaccinated because you know that's how we have the Delta variant. So, and that's what viruses do. They um, mutate so they can adapt and can become stronger and more um, infectious, uh, transmittable, virulent. That's what they do. So we have this Delta variant now. There's also a Lambda variant and a Mu variant. Um, I don't, I think, yeah, I know the Lambda has made, I saw it was a couple cases in Texas, but they're still trying to further characterize it. But it's a, a variant to be on the lookout for. And so that's what vi- they mutate to become stronger. And so, so it's like unless people- we can get, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, we just need everybody to get vaccinated because more people are vaccinated, the less the virus has a chance to spread and to mutate to something stronger. So, so when people are not vaccinated, that, that the virus enters the person's system and and it, it, if there's nothing to, there are no antibodies there to stop this virus from taking over the body, then it, it may mutate. And, and then that person spreads it to somebody else and, and you've got uh, all these different variants. You got Delta, Delta yeah. seems to be the most, the most serious and most dangerous. Is that, is that right? It is, they said um, the virus sheds more and it's more infection, so viral shedding. So a person will have it 
and their viral load will be a lot higher. And so they're able to spread it more quickly into more people. And I also read a report in a nature journal. They said a person that's infected with Delta variant, they can actually transmit it up to two days before they experience symptoms themselves. So it's pretty bad. I don't want it at all. No, no. And, and, and there are people who, of course, are asymptomatic or, or believed to be asymptomatic. They don't have a lot of the uh, exhibit a lot of the symptoms, but they're still infected. And I always hear if you are infected, you are infectious, correct? If you are infected, you can, it's, you, you, that's, right. that's just all correct. logically, if you're infected, you become infectious and, and you don't have the, the mask on. I, I still, here's my, here's my puzzlement. And I know you don't have an answer to this. I'm just venting here. Uh, I just mm-hmm. left the grocery store about, uh, maybe about 30, 45 minutes ago. And, and, and this particular grocery store has a sign on the front door that says masks required. And then mm-hmm. they have a recorded PA message across the, the public address system reminding people, staff, vendors, uh, customers, we highly recommend wearing the mask. I'm in a store. My wife and I, we're probably only two or three people in the store with a mask on it. And, and for some reason, people have just, they believe that they are, they are immune to it. They maybe they've had it and they don't think they'll get it again, or they they just don't care. I mean, I have you seen that type of thing? Not so much here in the DC area. So we still have a mask mandate. We have a mask yeah. mandate. Um, probably Northern Virginia. I don't know about the rest of the state of Virginia, but um, DC and also Maryland. So um, I think maybe for a month, like the, at the beginning of the summer, when a lot of people were getting vaccinated, they um, uh, said we could not, we didn't have to wear our mask if we were vaccinated. But I think back in July, they mandated the mask again. So I haven't really seen much of that. Sometimes if I go into another county, I've seen it some counties are uh, here in the DMV area, DC, Maryland, Virginia, not the driver's office thing. I had to I learn that. DM, I that's here. why DC, Maryland, Virginia. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, not <laughs> the yeah, not the motor vehicles place. But anyways, right. um, some other counties that their numbers are pretty decent, so they don't have a mask mandate, which sometimes is a little problematic because I know I live in PG County. So PG County, um, I think it's had the highest cases of COVID because it's, it's a high population county too. So we have the, we've had the highest numbers during the pandemic. So we've been pretty strict with the social distancing, the mask mandates. Sometimes they'll close indoor dining and stuff like that. And um, me and sometimes other people, that's fine because we can just go like maybe 20 minutes to another county and you know they're a little more liberal. But in hindsight, sometimes that does cause a problem because, you know, it's not the whole state is shut down. So you can just go to another county. And that's probably how the virus keeps circulating around. You know, you you were born in Texas. Your mom lives in Texas. I'm in Texas. And um, I I envy you where you are because I think you have leadership in your state, the political leadership that, that has taken this seriously and are determined to do what they can do for the citizens to keep people 
healthy because to me it's safe. a public health. I keep them saying this is a public health issue. It's not a political issue because the Correct. virus doesn't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or independent. If you never voted in your life, the virus doesn't care. But so many people have politicized that, and we're seeing that in this state. We see it in Florida, where uh, oh yeah, in Georgia, just, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I just find that so. Yeah, so I really think it's a. Go ahead. It is. It's definitely a fault in leadership. Because, like, I was just saying, I think it is. It, it definitely is a fault in leadership because it's the whole country is not on the same page. And you're right. People have made it a political issue, and it's not political. It's a public health crisis, and that's what the issue is. And, you know, sometimes I feel like the whole entire country should just shut down for maybe six to eight weeks. That'll give a break from the healthcare workers. They can clear out these hospitals and stuff like that. And I mean, I, you know, I went to Meharry. Um, so I went to school with um, medical students. We were both, well, I was in the PhD program and they were getting their medical uh, degree. And um, I have friends that are physicians and they are just so mentally drained, physically drained from dealing with this. And it takes a toll on them. And a lot of them, they do have families. So they're putting, literally putting their lives at risk to take care of others and, you know, putting their families and stuff at risk because I mean, they live with their families. So yeah, I feel like everybody just needs to do their part and take the vaccine and, and wear a mask. Yeah. yeah, wear the mask. If you don't want to get the vaccine, wear the mask, I, I would say, because, you know, you don't have these particles coming out of your, your, your mouth and your nose and, and spreading all around because, you know, just because you don't see it, that means that it's not out there finding its way for looking for a host to just say, okay, I think I'll go in and, and, and infect this person here and they, and that mask will protect you from that, right? Right, it will. Some people say double mask. Is that is that something that you you would recommend? If you want to, I don't think it's going to hurt. Yeah. It's not going to hurt anything. That's for sure. Yeah, it's not going to yeah. hurt. Yeah, because uh, no, the children are just too. Some of these kids are just too young. Because I heard somebody say the other day that children are not small adults. You can't really. Um, have the same kind of, um, I guess, same kind of vaccine for children that you would have for adults, right? Yeah, they're working on it. I think they said maybe by October, the Pfizer one, I know they've been doing clinical trials on kids, I think as young as six months. Because I think the FDA approval, I think is 16, they can take the, um, the Pfizer, is FDA approved for a kid 16 and up. So um, I know my coworker, he, um, start, he actually started wearing a double mask um, because he has a one-year-old. So he's looking out for his kid because this kid, you know, he's one, he can't get vaccinated. And that's another thing is not just uh, for you. You should think about others that you come in contact with, other people who are immune compromised or just elderly, have pre-existing conditions, babies, young kids, you know, think about them. Because I did read a report, um, I think it was a teacher in California, she was not wearing a mask and she was unvaccinated and she infected all, almost all of her students. And those kids, they can't get the vaccine, so she should have been protecting herself. Exactly. 
Well, protecting them. Protect them. And then she went and those kids go home and they they can they're spreading it to spread their, it, yeah. It so. it to me, it just seemed like such a, a simple thing to it go is. to your doctor. And of course, like you said before, discuss with your doctor because some people may have um, issues. I have a friend who is a transplant, kidney transplant uh, patient, and, and I think it's recommended that he not take the vaccine because the anti-rejection mm-hmm. drugs that, that he's taking might, how does that work? Can you, can you just share, I know you do a lot of work. I think your areas, kidneys and stuff, right? Oh, a little bit. Um, not with transplant. I'm not, I know there are some health conditions like people who are transplant recipients or other people who are immune compromised. Um, I know somebody, I can't remember what condition she has, but she's taking steroids. So she's not able to take the vaccine. So I think it's something if you have some type of immune disorder, but again, um, be good to talk to your doctor about that. And, and, and for those people who, if they're not taking it, I put them in a special category. You know, I, I understand right. why, you, why you don't yeah. have to get it because it could, it, could, it could kill you. It could hurt you. It could hurt you and harm you in some way. But then you have this other group uh, of the, as you said, in the black community, there's been a lot of uh, hesitancy because of the history of, of, of black people being um, experimented on. Uh, with the Tuskegee right. experiment being the, the the most notorious one, and but I think we have to move beyond, don't you think? We got to say, all right, now that this drug that they're giving us, they're offering us, uh, we we hate that stuff like that happened with Tuskegee, but you know we're we're in this period right now where we need people to just get the vaccine so we can get this thing taken care of. And I understand your hesitancy and, and I wish you weren't hesitant about it, but talk to your doctors, talk to somebody. I mean, I think when people watch the news and watch the pundits and, and, and you have these people saying, you know, uh, don't take the vaccine because this is no worse than a cold or the flu or something like that. You know, people say, oh, well, I don't, I don't need to take it, right? Yeah, I have heard that. Um, People have asked me, well, I've made it this far. You know, we're almost two years. This is the end of the second year that we've been dealing with this, and I still haven't gotten it. And I almost feel like you're playing Russian roulette with your life. And again, it's not just your life. It's others that you come in contact with that may be more vulnerable than you. So, yeah, you may be fine. You may not be fine because, again, with Delta, there's kids that are dying from this. Like little kid, elementary school kids are dying from this. So you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That was this case in Texas just the other day. A baby, a little, um, maybe a toddler uh, ended up dying. I mean, and and it happened so fast. I mean, she was she was tested and went into the hospital like this next day or the same day she passed away. And it's just, uh, it's heartbreaking for those, those parents. Yeah. And then you see these other videos of, of people who refuse to get the vaccine um, on their, almost on their deathbed. They are saying, please take the virus. I mean, please take the vaccine. Please take the vaccine. I wish I had taken the vaccine earlier, but for many of them, it's almost too late, isn't it? Yeah, because again, um, well, I know with the Pfizer and the Moderna, it's two shots you have to take. 
And then after the second shot, you have to wait about two to four weeks for you to be fully immunized. So yeah, if you're on your deathbed, it's, yeah, it, it cannot help you at that point. So I guess our message that we wanna leave everybody with is pay attention to the experts in the field. Don't listen to the politicians, the pundits, the people who, who claim that they know, you know, the, these, the horse warming medicine that, that people are using and all uh, these. Don't, yeah, don't take that. <laughs> I'm surprised, you know, people are willing to ingest something like that, but won't take the shot. I mean, I I don't understand the logic. You you will ingest and take, put in your system horse warming medicine, but you won't take a shot in your arm. That is, to me, that defies logic. It's just just no logic there. So I think the message we want is um, get immunized, get the shot. Um, we're all in this, I hate to say we're all in this together, but this thing isn't going to be over until everybody gets a vaccination. And, and then at some point we need to get all the kids who are eligible for it, get them vaccinated. And, and as I said earlier, just listen to the, the experts, listen to CDC, listen to um, the medical experts, the scientists who've been doing this for a long time. And, uh, and, and one of the things that you hear, they criticize CDC and say, well, they said this one time and now they're saying something else. <laughs> and the reason is situ- circumstances change, right? They do, yeah. And they're still learning. This is still, prog- we're still in a pandemic. So of course things are gonna change as new information becomes available. Yeah, and that new information becomes available. People say, well, last time you said I should do this. Now you're telling me, but if you just think about it, that's they're telling you this something new because they've learned something new. It's not like they're creating confusion for people out there. So anyway, um, let's let's just hope that people will uh, heed the warnings that uh, the medical field has been uh, giving us for a long time now. Get the shot. Um, wear your mask, wash your hands, follow those, those protocols. If you're sick, don't go around other people. If you are, if you have any of the symptoms, stay home. If you've been around other people, quarantine yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. That's any other advice you would give somebody? Oh, I would say think of taking the vaccine as um, wearing a seatbelt in your car. So I know the seatbelt is the law you're supposed to wear it, but um, it saves your life. It can save your life significantly. And it also doesn't guarantee that you won't have a severe injury um, when getting in a car accident and you still may die, you know, even wearing your seatbelt if you get into a car accident. But the risk of you or the chances of you not dying or not being injured if you weren't wearing your seatbelt, is significantly higher versus you can just wear a seatbelt. So I think of that analogy a lot with the vaccine. That's a great analogy. That's mm-hmm. Something that research has shown can, can reduce your risk of injury or can save your life. And, and there's nothing, mm-hmm. I mean, the data are out there and you can't argue with it because the proof is there. 
Same thing with the virus. The proof is there. It's, you know, the scientists have shown that uh, this vaccine works. It can it, it can stop. I mean, if you, I remember one year I I refused to take a flu shot. <laughs> bad mistake, bad mistake, and I got the flu. You got the flu. I got the flu, and I was so sick. I was just really, really sick. And from that point on, I said I am going to take a flu shot because if I, with the flu shot, if I get the flu the symptoms won't be as bad. It won't make me as sick if I had never uh, taken it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same thing. Yep. Like I said, I've, I've never had the chicken pox. <laughs> and because you, you now have been immunized against it, right? Correct. Yeah. You don't want to get it as an adult. That that's not something. No, you... I, I could die. It's life threatening as an adult. So I may need another booster in a couple of years and I, I'll take it. Because you take care of yourself. I, you, you're doing some good work out there in the medical field in the, um, as a, make sure I get your title right. You are a trained cellular molecular biologist. And yep. I, I'm just so proud of you. I'm just so pleased that you, you have, you've taken on this, this role in your, in your professional role of, um, you know, doing your scientists and you're, you're willing to share your, your knowledge and your expertise with, with people that they'll just listen to people like yourself and Dr. Fauci and, and others who've been doing this yep. stuff for a while, because, you know, there's no, there's no value added to anybody's life or to this country. If we're giving you bad information, if we're giving you misinformation, mm-hmm anything we lose value so i just say trust um, trust the your doctor talk to your doctor um, and if yep. you can influence other people in your in your circle who are reluctant find a way to reach them find a way to appeal to them so that they will decide okay i'm i'm not a 100 sure about this but in the interest of protecting other people i'm going to go ahead and and get the vaccine Yes, that's good. Please get the vaccine. Yes. Okay, Dr. Amber Cheatham has told you now, get the vaccine. She knows what she's get talking about. Uh, <laughs> Amber, I, I want to thank you so much for um, being on my podcast tonight. And oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, this is the first time I've ever did a podcast with a with kin folks, oh, <laughs> with cool. a relative, first time you're the you're the first person I have, and I've been doing this almost two years now, and the first time I actually had a conversation with uh, with a family member, um, and I just um, I just as I said, I'm so proud of you. I just have so much respect for what you have done uh, in your life, and um, I know people from. Hattiesburg, who know you, I know your 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 grandparents, especially. Um, you know when Amber was was a kid growing up, her her granddad, uh, my uncle, he had a nickname. I don't, I always called him Uncle Sunny Boy. That was his that was his nickname, and I think you called him what he was, Grandpa. Mm-hmm. What did you call him? Papa. Papa. That's right. Papa. 
yeah, yeah. and, and you, you won't find a person who had as big a heart as as Harold Harris uh, had. Yeah, I mean, he was just one of the good guys, and um, those of us who knew and loved him and had so much admiration and respect for him, um, we miss him. But you know, his he lives on through his granddaughter. He lives on through his daughter. He lives on through his his other. Uh, relatives who 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 share and, and who share his namesake, and we come from uh, a long line of people who've done some really really exciting things. And I just can't stop bragging on you enough, but I'm just going to stop it so I can uh, so we could. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and and I just um, you, you keep doing good work. Keep um, doing the stuff that's going to help all of us, whatever it happens to be, and you're the kind of person we need to listen to. So thank you once thank again. You. I appreciate you being on the podcast tonight, looking back, uh, moving forward. And the, the emphasis here is on, on moving forward. We, you know, it's only so much looking back you can do, but we, because with this virus, we don't need to look back. We need to look forward. So I'm going to thank you once again. And Thank you so much. Okay.